welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. My name is Samantha Nagel, and it's just me today. I thought we would do an episode, a solo episode, uh, because I don't have any guests. <laughs> that was the uh, the driving thought behind this. But actually, uh, these are some thoughts I've had for a while now. Um, I kind of want to talk them through because I, yeah, they, they are definitely showing up for me, and I feel like uh, they're kind of cool. Um, I might pause frequently to scold a dog that I have, which is what I just did. Um, we adopted a new dog. So we have two dogs now. Um, I actually found her name is Juno. Um, <laughs> I found her on the side of the road and we had just been talking about how we wanted a small dog to be friends with our slightly bigger dog, Nora, because um, she really gets along with small dogs for some reason. Um, and we were like, yeah, probably soon we should start looking, but not yet. And then I found this dog and she was small and sweet and very playful and kind. Um, she didn't have a microchip, didn't have a collar. So we surrendered her to the shelter and no one picked her up. So they just have a holding period and then we we're able to adopt her back. So she is very sweet and cute, but if you've ever adopted a dog, you know that there's that period where they are different than they really are. Nora's was, she was so anxious. She just hid in the corner of the house and didn't pee, didn't uh, eat, didn't drink, didn't really move. Um, that was her period. And this one was just so sweet and so kind and so cuddly that I was like, oh, so she's not going to change. She's already perfect. Uh, but she's, I'm realizing that she's younger than we thought because she's very playful and really likes to chew on things, which is why uh, I might take constant or like frequent little breaks to uh, scold her for chewing on something that she shouldn't be chewing on. So yeah, <laughs> a little tangent there about the dogs, but we're really, really happy to be doing that. So I wanted to, so this is kind of inspired by my favorite podcast, which is the Just Break Up podcast. Um, and they talked about this article on bustle and I thought it was really interesting. So I wanted to look into it and it kind of goes with something I've been working through the article. You may have heard of it. It's by Rebecca Fishbean, as I think how you say her name, uh, and it's, is therapy speak making us selfish and her little tagline is boundaries are important, but our relationships require a touch more compassion than some online blueprints offer. And it kind of talks about the rise of like therapy speak, like self-care and boundary setting, which is all good. Those are all good things, right? Um, and we do need to be talking about them a lot. Um, but a lot of Instagram accounts and social media communities will share like, Kind of these therapy speak and even like actual therapists are, are kind of sharing it online um so now we can we just like hear a lot of those terms often i think even like even like hearing uh that someone was triggered um which is like 
I, yeah, it's not bad to acknowledge your triggers, but I think sometimes we label things as triggering, um, that aren't inherently triggering, right? There are some things I think that are inherently triggering for most people. And then there are things that are triggering for our triggers. Um, so I think, I think we're just quick to like put a label on things. Like we're really quick to label people as toxic or relationships as toxic. Um, I think we're really quick to also diagnose people and call people narcissists. Um, and like narcissistic abuse is a real thing. And also narcissistic personality disorder is a real disorder that people struggle with. Um, but I think we're like really quick to use those labels. Like, I don't think, yeah, I don't think everyone's a narcissist and probably not every relationship is toxic. Um, and I think like gaslighting, you know, like, and to be clear, like I am not pro gaslighting, (laughs) um, but I think there are nuances in relationships that kind of the Insta therapy doesn't really uh, capture. And actually, um, I recently switched therapists cause I could feel my therapist, my previous therapist really gravitating towards therapy speak. Um, which like, of course she does, but like kind of the Instagram version. And I'm, I'm not sure how to articulate this cause of course it's really important to set boundaries and to protect ourselves from gaslighting and other forms of emotional abuse. And those are also things that have been really minimized, especially if you've had experienced them. Um, but I think with this rise of like therapy speak, especially on the internet, I think we're really quick to label things that or or to set really rigid boundaries that maybe are not like serving the, the relationships that are the healthiest for us. Um, so an example in this article at the very beginning, she talks about how, um, this woman was dumped by her longtime friend over text. Um, she just kind of randomly said she wanted to end their five-year friendship. Um, and the girl was like, was it something I did? And the friend was like, I don't want to tell you. And she said like, I'm in a place where I'm trying to honor my needs and act in alignment with what feels right within my scope of life. And I'm afraid our friendship doesn't seem to fit that framework. I can no longer hold the emotional space you've wanted me to. And I think the support you need is beyond the scope of what I can offer. Um, And so kind of the idea here is like that friend had every right to terminate the friendship if that's what she felt was right like we don't have to be in relationships with people that um aren't serving us and at the same time like i think if a more reasonable approach which is harder <laughs> is to say like i have i feel like um I don't have the emotional capacity in the way that it seems like you want me to have for you. Like, can we discuss that? And oftentimes it is a misunderstanding. A lot of times it is assumptions that we're making about what our friend needs. Um, and also not like we never have to 
give an explanation of why we are withdrawing from relationships, especially if it is truly an unsafe or toxic relationship, like it is okay to just get the fuck out. Right. Um, but if it's a friendship that is a five-year friendship, like this example, um, where there's been like mutual love and trust and respect, and just to have someone be like, I'm out and give no space for conversation or no space, like for giving a reason. Um, I think that can be really challenging. Um, and I think it's honestly, cause I, gosh, I have done kind of the, the opposite where I just kind of ghost out on friendships and I've had, I've had friends like ghost me. Um, and that's also really hard. I don't know if I would have rather said like, you know, I don't have the alignment, like it's not in my alignment anymore. Actually, let me go on a side note. When I, so in the beginning, in the beginning, um, when I was uh, really getting into spirituality again, um, I found new age stuff really fascinating. And I still, like, there's still parts of it that I like, sure, but I think uh, 90% of it probably not. Um, But I was, I really was into it in the beginning. I think that is the journey for a lot of people is um, I really was only seeing like, religion, um, and not in a favorable light. And then I heard of like the new age stuff and was like, oh, this is really interesting. It gives me the framework that I've wanted it, but it also gives a little bit more freedom and wiggle room. And there's less of like what I didn't like about Christianity at the time. I've since realized that that's not entirely true, at least for me and my perspective. And I think new age can be like kind of harmful. Um, but for me, honestly, I think it served a purpose in my spiritual journey. Um, (laughs) I think it was like a pretty good thing for me at the time. And I, like, I don't think it allowed me to be nuanced. I don't think it allowed me to be culturally sensitive. I don't think it allowed me to think outside of the black and white areas. And I think it is what helped me get there. Like, I think it was a nice middle passage for me. Um, And then I was able to be like, oh, wait, a lot of this is bullshit. (laughs) Um, Anyways, one thing that really bugs me and that I found aggravating, like that was one of the first things that I was like, this doesn't seem right, was people would often just say, oh, this is not in alignment with me or sources telling me that this isn't in alignment with me. And, uh, if you've read, uh, cultish by, I'm going to Google it as I'm talking by Amanda Montel, um, you may have heard the phrase, um, uh, thought ending or thought terminating cliches or conversation terminating cliches or something like that, um, where it means like, there's nothing you can really say to that. Like the friend who says, you know, you're not in alignment with me anymore and I can't hold the space that you need from me. Um, that might not, like, there's nothing that that person could have really said back. It's kind of like when we say, um, well, it just is the way it is, right? What, like, there's no, nothing you can really say to that in return. Um, (laughs) I think one of my, I've been in 12 step programs before and I know some people who are in 12 step programs and I, yeah, I feel neutrally about them. But I think one thing that irks me is uh, the slogans. (laughs) And I used to love the slogans and I am, 
I was just talking about this and cause my new therapist, I can tell she, I don't know if she's in a 12 step program or what, but she uses those little things. And so I'm curious to see like if she tries to recommend any programs to me and if I can figure out which one she's in. <laughs> uh, but she uses a lot of those little like thought terminating cliches that can be really helpful, but it's also like, like, for example, um, resentment is just drinking poison and expecting the other person to die or get sick. Um, that to me was so powerful when I first heard it. Cause I was like, Whoa, I've never thought of it that way. Oh my goodness. Right. Um, common like Al-Anon and Coda thing, uh, which is codependence anonymous. And like now I still have resentment, right? Like that didn't make my resentment go away. It did shine a different light on my resentment and let me know that like, we don't want to hold on to that maybe forever. Um, and also like, I still get fucking resentful, right? And just hearing like, well, it's the poison you drink, right? Like, okay, cool. But like, I'm still resentful and I still need to find a way to work on my resentment, right? I think when like kind of the new age people that I've encountered will say things like, mm, source is just telling me that this isn't an alignment for me. I'm like, well, what the, I feel like that's a way I, I'm also, um, I just started my period. So <laughs> this was a very ranty time to have this conversation, but for me, that feels like such a cop-out. Um, cause it's like, just tell me that you don't want to, <laughs> like, you don't have to say that like this entity, God source universe is telling, which I like, don't not believe in, but don't like kind of manipulate me and say that, like, just tell me you don't want to do something. Just tell me it doesn't seem like a good fit for you. Don't kind of blame it on, don't outsource source. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with this. Oh, well, I think, yeah, we just have a lot of those thought terminating cliches uh, with therapists speak too, right? Like it's not in alignment with me. There's nothing that person can really say. And it's not like you, we need to argue what people say, but there's no response to that. That's the end of the discussion, right? Um, or what was one of the other ones? I think a lot of like boundary stuff can be challenging, like, Hmm. And this is something I've been, I think unpacking on the podcast for a while. So boundaries. Yeah. I think a common rhetoric we hear is if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no, but like, that's not reasonable, right? Like work. <laughs> I don't, I do things that are not a hell yes for work. I also do things that are not a hell yes for my partner, for my family, for my friends. Um, like Marcos wanted me to help him with something for the house. I did not want to do it. <laughs> I do not want to help build furniture for his office. Like that's probably a hell no for me, but like, do I do it? Yes. Because there is this element of, or like, I don't know, going to a like a special child in your lives, uh, rehearsal thing, <laughs> piano recital. That's what I'm thinking of something like that. Like, is it a hell yes to go and like, kind of be bored and like watch something that you're probably not feeling super entertained by, uh, when you could 
be doing something else for your self-care, um, that's not a hell yes. Or, you know, my dad is coming up this weekend. My uh, partner is graduating or next weekend. My partner is graduating. I'm sure my dad isn't like, oh my God, I cannot wait. This is a hell yes. Just sitting in this auditorium and watching all these strangers graduate. No. So I have had painful periods and cycles and incredibly heavy periods since I first started my period. And being a certified health coach and having so many talented menstrual health experts in my network has allowed me to use food as medicine and create lifestyle changes to improve my cycle. But I still suffer every month with pain before and during my period and even pain with ovulation. And I still have a pretty heavy flow. And that is where Elix comes in. Their cycle balance tincture is actually personalized just for you. So mine all say Samantha in handwritten lettering on the side of the bottle. And they include a tailored blend of medicinal herbs to holistically support menstrual symptoms by treating the underlying imbalances. And in fact, 93% of users have reported reductions in symptoms such as cramps, heavy bleeding, mood swings, irregular cycles, bloating, fatigue, anxiety and stress, migraines, PMS, and actually many more. I have already seen an incredible decrease in my pain and even if in my flow, something I thought I would just have to live with for the rest of my life. And I've even been experiencing less fatigue and fewer mood swings. So thank goddess for that. <laughs> and if you want to try this out and take the assessment and order your first bottle, you can use the code SamanthaN20 and you can get 20% off of your first order. If you use the code SamanthaN20, you'll do this at elixhealing.com or you can just use the link in the show notes. Like, I think the if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no is so, it can be helpful. Like, I think, again, same with the new age stuff too. I think these black and white things can actually be helpful in swinging us to the other side of the pendulum. But I think the the key is, is that we shouldn't stay there right? If you're someone who has said yes to everything and is a people pleaser and has never really said no before thinking about like, if I really don't want to, if I really don't want to say yes to something, I can say no to something that is so freeing and so amazing. But then I think when we're not careful, it's just natural for that pendulum to really stay over in that side. That's not necessarily so helpful where we are really rigid with our boundaries. Because boundaries, I think, are kind of a, a spectrum, right? And I think of boundaries as more of a container for like kind of what keeps me, me and what keeps you, you. So it doesn't mean that I never do something that I don't want to do. I do stuff I don't want to do all the time. Um, it doesn't mean that I am not flexible. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about in a second. But I think I'm trying to think of boundaries as more of like, something that keeps me safe and something that keeps me, me, right. Uh, just a reminder. And there's a book called like, um, something about boundaries, like where I end and where you begin. I think boundaries for me are really helpful in just knowing like kind of what's mine to take on. And, and also knowing like what my non 
negotiables are, right? So like my non-negotiables, uh, try to think of one. Um, I will not be spoken to in a certain way, especially not in my own home. Like those are just non-negotiables. If you're going to disrespect me or be unkind to me, like that's a non-negotiable for me. That's like not something, that's not a boundary that I can be, uh, really that flexible on. Or, um, I think like animal stuff, like I will not let you mistreat my animals, right? Like I will not let you, uh, like be mean to my partner. That's a non-negotiable, right? Like I have these things that are just absolutely no's, um, or things I don't want to do, like, um, like going to a club probably <laughs> is one of my non-negotiables. Like I, it's just a boundary that I probably am never going to go to the club with you. I'm not really going to be flexible on that. There's not like something really major has to be happening that I would bend that boundary for you <laughs> because I don't like it because it's really overstimulating, uh, stuff like that. Or, you know, I really don't want to travel for work at this time. And so if it's absolutely necessary, I will. But if it's not necessary, it's a boundary that I probably won't be doing that. Right. So having those boundaries and I think knowing what your non-negotiables are is really helpful when setting boundaries that are perhaps more realistic. Um, let me look at the uh, article a little bit more. Oh, and she also talks about like how we can kind of say like people have made us feel unsafe um, in, in ways that aren't true. And I think one key aspect of this, and I was just listening to Just Break Up, um, is the episode that came out on the on May 3rd, if you want to find it. It's something like their sadness is not your responsibility. And I was like, damn, <laughs> I'm being called out in that episode. So I, I was really happy to listen to it today. Um, but the episode the letter was, um, this girl was writing in and her friend is going through a hard time and her friend expressed disappointment that her, that she had like canceled on her for even for a good reason. And she was feeling, um, like, why is this friend not reacting in the way that I expected? Why is she making me feel responsible for her sadness? Um, and they were like, well, She's not making you do anything. She just expressed disappointment and you feel responsible for that. And you're putting that on her that you feel that way, right? And I think that is something that I do a lot of. I am an Enneagram 2 classic people pleaser. Um, I've been in recovery from that for my whole life. And it always keeps popping back up, it seems, um, in new iterations sometimes. Um that people can't make us feel certain ways. And there are exceptions to that, right? Like when people are being manipulative, when people are gaslighting you, they, I think that is more of a case where they are trying to actively make you feel something. But oftentimes if someone's just expressing that they're sad, that something didn't happen, they're not making you feel guilty. You happen to feel guilty by their sadness. It's same kind of thing with being unsafe. Like that's not, I'm not unsafe because someone's disappointed in me or disappointed in something that I did. Um, and I think that's really important to remember. Uh, yeah. And I think this, yeah, this article is just really good. Um, 
and something addresses something that I've been thinking a lot about. If you listen to the episode with Sarah Wildman, um, or Wildman, I already forgot her last name. I'm pretty sure that's right though. <laughs> um, I'm Stacy today. So I, so excuse me. I'm forgetting everyone's last names. Um, we talk about this idea of villaging and how, and community. And if you've been kind of following on along the podcast, you know, that this is something that I've really been working at. And my word of 2023 is belonging, something that has not come very easily to me. Just as some backstory, you might know it, you might not. I grew up in a very small, very conservative, um, very Christian town, um, there's nothing wrong with Christianity, but the kind of Christianity in that town was, was toxic. Um, and not everyone was toxic. Not everyone, you know, did things, but the overall feeling of the town was really unhealthy. And if you're not in, you're out. Um, and so I grew up being like a weird outcast kid. Um, I did not find belonging very easily. Um, I, and so I like just grew up with this crushing feeling of not belonging and this, this overwhelming desire to finally fit in. And I remember towards my last few years of high school, it's like, I finally cracked the code of how to pretend well enough. So I was able to pretend well enough to get like some sort of belonging. Was it real belonging? Was it genuine? No, no, because people weren't accepting the real me. I would just became hyper vigilant of who I was being, the persona that I had and carefully crafting the persona that I had based on the people that I was with. And that, that gave me some false belonging where I was at and it kept me safe and it, it met some of my needs, but not a lot of them. Um, and that core fear of like, I am unlovable if I am my true self. If people know the real me, they will not love me. I think a big part of what I learned, and this comes from other parts of childhood too. A lot of what I learned is if I'm not of service, if I'm not being helpful, if I'm not being very kind, uh, if people can't feel like they've gotten something from me out of our, our interactions, then people are not going to love me. The more helpful you are, the nicer you are, the more people will love you. And if they love you, they won't leave you. So uh, that looked like having a hypervigilance for other people's needs and thinking that I would only find acceptance if I was hypervigilantly caring for the other person. Um, and if you're thinking, Hey, that sounds a lot like codependency. Well, you're sure right. It is. Um, so, uh, I think I entered this place of, yeah, really strongly people pleasing, really entering in codependent relationships, never saying no, always being a fake version of myself. And then I learned therapy speak, which is how this is tying in. Um, and I realized like, I, I definitely swung the other direction and it was totally needed for me to swing the pendulum. It was, um, I started cutting people out of my life who kind of weren't kind to me or took advantage of me or, you know, just in general, weren't supportive or that I didn't like, to be honest. Um, I didn't find joy from being around. Um, yeah, I said, 
really firm boundaries. I did not do things I didn't want to do period end of story. Um, and that was really helpful and really healthy. And I really kind of weeded out a lot of relationships that were really draining and not healthy. Um, but then I didn't, the pendulum didn't swing back to the middle. And so I was in this position where I was feeling really defensive. Um, if there were people that didn't like align with me perfectly, I was feeling like, well, it must be because we're not meant to be, or like, I need to cut them out. People would do something that felt hurtful. And I would just like run instead of having a conversation because I was so afraid that they were a hurtful person who were making me feel hurt that I would just run. And that's, of course, I've realized since not the case. Um, so anyways, I get to last year and I realized like, I do not prioritize friendships in the same way. I'm pretty rigid with my boundaries. I'm not flexible at all, really. Um, and I just was very deeply unhappy. And so I decided to start focusing on belonging. And that was something that I worked on for a lot of last year. And that's something that I went into this year with is that I want to keep fostering this community. I also want to break free of that hyper individualism that was taught to me as a child and is is currently reinforced by the society that we live in. Um, kind of like un working this idea that everyone has to be perfect, including me. So we can all have flaws and, and people in my life can have flaws and we can either communicate about how they, they hurt me or even like learn to accept people for who they are, knowing that not every relationship is perfect. And honestly, Just Break Up podcast has been one of the things that has been so helpful for me to unpack this. And it's kind of cool. If you listen from the very beginning to now, you can hear them really become more nuanced and open-minded as well. And so I just, I credit them probably like more than therapy, honestly. Um, they have just been so helpful anyways. So I go into this year, I'm like, really prioritizing community and belonging and I'm getting it right. I have built a really strong, beautiful community. And a lot of those people were already in my life, but I just really put in the time, energy, effort, work to make them community style relationships, not just friendships, not just extended family, but like people who that I, who I feel really trusting of and close with. But then somewhere along the way, the pendulum was in the middle and I was learning all these things and kind of changing my ideas and changing my mindset and changing my boundaries. And the pendulum swung back in the other direction. And I'm feeling myself feel more in that codependent space, that like wounded helper Enneagram two of like, I... I'm doing all this that no one asked me to do and then getting a little bit resentful. Um, we talked about people pleasing a couple of weeks ago with Allie. Um, so that kind of reminds me of that. That was like perfect timing. <laughs> um, and so I, I recently, like the other day was making a list. So two lists kind of going over what community is and what codependency is, because I think when I sat down to write this list, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure the difference. And I I wasn't sure how they could be so similar because they they are. They they do have some um 
commonalities, right? And I think instead of codependence, we want to aim for interdependence, where we're not totally independent from each other. We we help each other meet our needs. Um, we know that other people are are part of what makes life so fulfilling and so nourishing and so amazing. Um, but we're not completely dependent on everyone else for our own needs. We are not completely meeting the needs of others. We're not enmeshed. We are still our own whole persons gathering together, doing life together, meeting each other's needs, co-regulating with each other, but we are still, we still have those boundaries, the ones that I kind of think of, the containers of still what keeps me me and what keeps you you. So I'm just going to toggle back and forth between my list. So community is mutual support. And Sarah in our episode about villaging Mutual doesn't mean transactional. It doesn't mean I do something. So now you have to do something or you have to do it in the exact same way I did it. Otherwise, I'm mad at you. Um, But it means like, I'm going to be there for you. And maybe in this season, I'm there for you a lot more than you're here for me. But when the time comes, maybe in in a year or a couple months, and I really need to lean on you, I will lean on you. Codependency is fixing problems and people. And by fixing, I do say that in air quotes because people are not problems to be fixed. Problems are not even necessarily there to be fixed. And even when you try, you're probably not really fixing them anyways. (laughs) Um, Okay. So community is flexibility. Codependence is completely dropping everything and making sure that you're on someone else's schedule, you're available whenever they need, um, even if you have plans or even if you don't have the bandwidth or the emotional availability, you're still routinely dropping everything, right? There are some times where something, someone's really not doing well and your bandwidth might be kind of low, but like you still need to show up for them. But there are times when like you could definitely do a phone call tomorrow and not today, or you could do a phone call instead of a visit, or you could do a visit for an hour versus a whole day visit, right? There are ways that we can like adjust. So I think that's being flexible. We're not rigid. We're not saying, well, I had plans to just watch TV tonight, right? Or like I already had a vision for what I was gonna do today. I'm feeling rigid about my energy levels but being flexible and not just dropping everything. Um, I think community is having self-care and reasonable boundaries. Um, I put reasonable boundaries to kind of try and encapsulate the therapy talk, right? Sometimes boundaries are unreasonable. Um, I've definitely been in friendships with people who have very unreasonable boundaries and kind of expect you to meet them where they're at all the time. And there isn't that flexibility and there isn't that compromise. I think that's what it is. Compromise because every relationship is a little bit different. And I think we do need our non-negotiable boundaries. And sometimes we have different boundaries with different people. Sometimes those boundaries just kind of ebb and flow based off of life situations and we also have to be mindful of the fact that most people aren't crossing our boundaries for funsies. They're not like, haha, I'm going to go out and cross our boundaries. A lot of the times they don't know that you have that boundary. A lot of the times they can't read your mind. Um, so we do have to be kind of giving people 
the benefit of the doubt. We don't always want to be doing that. We don't want to constantly excuse people's behaviors, but I think therapy speak kind of, right. It's like assuming everyone's a narcissist all of a sudden, right? Like not everyone is crossing your boundaries maliciously. Um, again, I wrote, uh, oh, and the opposite of self-care, which is codependence would be focusing your attention completely on other people and not on yourself. Uh, another example of community is whole people gathering together and codependency would be needing other people to kind of make you feel like a person. So sometimes I will find myself like not feeling like I have worth unless I've made someone else's life better or unless I've like comforted someone or provided a service to someone. And then I'm like, I feel amazing about myself. I'm so worthy. I'm so amazing. But if I, like, if a friend is sad, even after we've talked something through or sat together, then it's like, well, then like, what did I even do? I failed. Right. So that's not two whole people gathering together. That's me kind of reflecting my worthiness on their emotional states and how I can change their emotions. Um, community is communication, which I didn't realize they have the same root word until I was writing them out together. I was like, whoa. So I'm curious about that. Um, and codependence is mind reading and assuming, and also maybe like being resentful, um, like just assuming that people know what we want or assuming we know what people want, um, hoping people will just guess or being mad and not communicating why. Community is comfort and authenticity. So being your full self and being comfortable, just showing up as you are and not having to perform. That's what I wrote under codependence is it's performative and often anxious driven. And I think like one example that's more superficial um, with my really close friends, when they come over to the house, I'm like, if you want water, you can get water. If you want a snack, you can get a snack. Like I'm not going to be like constantly checking your water glass. I might do it if I'm already going to get water, but like you, you come to my house and you, you, it's your house too. I'm not going to be like performing and like checking on you. Are you sure you're okay? Do you need anything else? It's kind of like, I know that you'll tell me if you are hungry and not that I'm never going to ask, but like, I'm not going to be hypervigilating <laughs> on someone else's needs. Um, that's definitely, there's like more emotional ones, but that's just an example that kind of came to my mind of ways that I think Cause that is like comfort. I know that someone's going to tell me if they need something, I'm not going to mind read. I'm going to let them communicate. I'm going to be myself. And I think that also means like, if I'm in a bad mood, like if I'm going to be mean, probably I should <laughs> moderate my behavior, but if I'm just kind of grouchy or if I'm just feeling quiet, I don't have to be loud. I don't have to like make up for that. I don't have to force being chatty when I don't want to be chatty. Like it's okay to just sit and read with a friend. It's okay to be like the more quiet one in the conversation um, and not have to be nervously filling the space with talking or asking a lot of questions when I don't feel like being chatty. And that's not being rude, actually. It's just being authentic. Um, <laughs> this is a big one. 
uh, offering feedback when asked as a part of community. So if someone comes to me and says, I don't know what to do. Do you have any ideas based off of what I'm telling you? And then I can say, yeah, I do. Right. I think that's that's something that community members do for each other, but codependency, and this is something that I, this is one that I think I struggle with the most is forcing or kind of really pushing solutions or ideas or feedback when not asked. So I am the kind of person where I really think I know what's best for everyone, um, Sometimes people in my life will do things and I'm like, that's not the right thing to do. I don't say that to them, but I will think about it a lot. And I will often say things like, have you ever thought about this? What if you did this? I was just talking to um, someone and they were saying that their partner, um, like has been having breathing issues and they smoke uh, weed. And I was like, well, do they know that you can have brownies or that you can have tinctures instead of smoking? And then he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, of course. And then I was able to be like, oh, interesting. And this was right after I made my list. And so I was, I like added this to the list actually when I was talking on the phone. Because of course this person knows that you don't have to smoke THC. There's like, they've been smoking for a while. They go to a dispensary and get their weed. They know that there are other ways to intake THC and they don't need me telling them what they should do, right? If they told me, right, and this isn't even, like, I didn't even have this conversation with that person, but I know if I did, I would say that. I, like, I know that's what would come out of my mouth. Have you ever thought about this? But probably what that person wants is for me to just go, hmm, oh, no, interesting, right? But I know that I'd be like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this, right? Um, And there's other ways I do that, too. <laughs> that's one of the hard ones for me. Um, and community is about enjoying people's company and liking being together. I think codependence is like needing everyone to get along. There are some things coming up uh, soon that I, and I'm, I'm feeling very nervous that people aren't going to get along and that there's going to be conflict or like, I know there's conflict, um, with a couple of people in my life. And I was asking someone else who's close with them, like, doesn't this stress you out that they're in conflict? Like, don't you want to fix it for them? And he was like, no. <laughs> and I said, like, why? Like, why don't you have that instinct? Or how do you push that instinct down? And he was like, I don't have that instinct because it's none of my business. Which to me, I'm like, um, everything's my business. Excuse me. I know best. No, just kidding. Kind of. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like, I, I feel like I have that codependent need for things to be peaceful. I, yeah, I want people to be happy. I want people to be getting along. And even if I have to meddle to do so, I'm okay doing that. Um, there's some family members that, uh, don't get along anymore. And I was thinking like, what if we sent her flowers from him to try and mend the, that's like really an idea that I had. And my partner was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like that is way like, no, no, that's just a crazy thing to do. And I was like, huh, I guess it is kind of a codependent thing to do. Huh? I think also, um, community is not really taking things personally. So it's not like, like if someone is mean to you, you can probably, 
probably be mad about that. <laughs> or like you can have boundaries about that and say like, you know, this is a non-negotiable. But for example, like if someone is sad, it's it's not about me. <laughs> unless I made them sad or like unless I said very hurtful things and then now they're sad, that's probably my fault. But like if someone's sad about life circumstances and I've been like a supportive friend, it is not a reflection of me that they are sad. It's not something that I did or failed to do. That is just their emotions. I do not need to take that personally. Or if I see an, a, a switch in someone, that's that hypervigilance, which also comes from trauma too. Um, when I see that little switch in someone where something's off, but I don't know what, it's probably not about me. I probably did not cause it. So I think codependency is taking things personally and community is is not taking things personally, is accepting people, um, like feeling really grounded. I think for me, community feels like something that is heart-centered, but not like, like my heart is everywhere, <laughs> right? I think it feels very like grounded, very rooted. It feels like I'm very well-resourced. I'm taking taking very good care of myself and I'm, I'm loving with my heart and I'm open with my heart and I'm giving. And there is that like flexibility and generosity and caring, but it's also like, I don't need someone else to feel a certain way for me to still feel like grounded and loving and loved and taken care of. Um, yeah. I imagine like a beautiful goddess who's like, part of the trees and her roots are going down, down, down. Um, and she has like that strong tree foundation and then like a very beautiful heart. So not like the giving tree <laughs> who like, just like chopped off everything she could. I think it's more like, um, you can come be with me. I am a tree. You can sit with me. I, I can give you shade. You can take the abundance of apples that I have, but like, you can't, you can't chop me down. <laughs> um, yeah. So those are my current musings about the difference between community and codependency and therapy speak. I feel like it was a little scattered, but, um, I don't know. I don't know everything. <laughs> I'm not a therapist either. I'm just someone figuring it out and like just doing her best. <laughs> so I hope this was helpful or at least gave you some food for thought. And I would honestly love to hear any feedback that you have, or if this made you think of something, or even if you like disagree with something I've said, I would honestly love to hear it because yeah, this is just something I've been thinking so much about. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Empowered Spirituality. If you liked what you heard today, it would mean so much if you shared with a friend or gave it a rating or review so that it can reach even more people. If you want to connect further, perhaps you can consider joining the low-cost monthly membership for virtual new moon circles, weekly guided meditations, tarot pools, and a Discord community. You can find that at ko-fi.com slash bloomingwild, or you can visit my website, samanthanagel.com to work with me further.